And we are live. Okay, sweet. All right, so um, I know we briefly talked about it during one of the streams, but that doesn't mean that everybody heard it. Um, we are going to try to not do as many current event streams, and we're going to try to integrate some, you know, left and labor history into what we're doing. Um, so today we're going to be talking about the Atlanta washerwomen strike. Um, the washerwomen in Atlanta at the time were mostly former slaves. Um, and they were getting paid shit and they had enough. They, they started sending the laundry back wet. Um, anyway, we're going to be talking about them today and it's a pretty exciting story, honestly. Um, but as most things, it's also a reminder how much farther we still have to go. Um, so this was primarily supposed to be spearheaded by Trisha, who is going to be joining us late. Uh, I'm not going to talk about what's going on. If she chooses to, she can, but she had some shit going on. So um, if anybody wants to send some positivity her way, she could use it right now. Uh, anyway, this is today's For We Are Many podcast. I am your host and comrade, Rob, and we are here to bring you some, some news, some knowledge. Who's next? <laughs> Dean just materializes out of nowhere. Oof. Hi, everyone. My name is Dean. My, uh... Pronouns are today just we. How are we doing today, Dean? Every day above ground is a gift for which I'm grateful. Are you trying to say that we shouldn't be trying to push up daisies? You know, I think it's a, I, I, I think that it as, you know, you identify as an eco-socialist, right? So. What are your feelings, just as a sidebar, what are your feelings about uh, about land use for funerary and cemetery functions? Me, I've always been skeeved out about it. I just see it as a colossal waste of resources. Personally. Yeah, yeah, I tend to, uh, I tend to agree with that. Um, most cultures in the past, I guess not all, but a lot of cultures in the past burned their dead. True. And um, I think that is a better use of resources than taking up probably billions of acres of land across right? the globe. It's not sky burials or something like that or something useful. Yeah, dude, like in Star Trek, if you die in the line of duty, they hold a funeral for you and then they put you in a torpedo tube and shoot you out into space. I mean, why the fuck are we not doing that? <laughs> <laughs> the, uh, the Tesla... Uh... The, the Tesla cadaver uh, excursion has not been invented yet. Elon, God damn it, Elon. <laughs> Must we do everything? Fine. Who's Don't next? do that. He's just gonna he's just gonna take our money or well our idea and make money off it. Well, he has. Uh, Isn't that what he does best? Yeah. <laughs> I invented everything myself by myself. I wish I could do an Elon impression. I'll work on that. Because <laughs> it keeps coming up. I might as well. I don't. I, how do you do a good South African 
Don, you're on the screen. Please introduce yourself. Good evening, everyone. <laughs> My name is Don Hughes. Um, I'm here. I'm alive. Sufficiently stoned. Yeah, somebody else talk, man. I, I don't like the sound of my own voice. I like the sound of your voice, so. Well. It's very soothing. That, that's weird because, like, I, I've <laughs> recorded my own voice before and listened to it back, and I sound quite a bit like the guy that does the voice for Hiccup from How to Train a Dragon. Uh, I don't remember what his name is. but Well, you're famous. I'm not famous. Well, I'm famous in a couple of countries for some things, but I'm not famous. <laughs> All right, Austin, your turn. Hello, everyone. I hope everyone is having an awesome day. Stay wonderful. Stay you. Stay positive. Oh, uh, my name is Austin. <laughs> uh Hopefully in 2024, I will be running for Congress in Pennsylvania's 16th district. Hopefully. We'll see. No, I will. Uh, that's all I wanted to say. Wait, wait. Say, say it again. One more time. You're doing what? Running for Congress in Pennsylvania. I love Pennsylvania. the way you say Congress. Congress. I Why? Do I say it messed up? Nope. Is it, it the Pennsylvania sounds, accent? It sounds fantastic. Well, yeah. I mean, I... I hope that more people in the future are going to be running for local positions and uh, we need to get these uh, damn people out of here that don't want to care for the people. So that's what I'm trying to do. Even if I don't succeed, maybe I'll inspire somebody that does. Hell yeah. Before we start diving into the, uh, the, uh, Atlanta Washerwomen's Strike. We always, of course, plug our Patreon at the beginning. I, I like Dean's spiel on the Patreon, though, so I'm going to let you do your thing here, Dean. Uh, if you go to uh, patreon.com slash for we are many, you will find several levels in which I have failed to add a lower level of $1. So, and, and you can change the amount, right. That you, that you contribute, but um, Don's really better at this than I am. But if you are Elon Musk, Elon, Elon, have... listen, bud. <laughs> listen, a hundred thousand dollars. Just think about it. It's not much to you, you and, and your spouse, you, you can afford to throw us us poor, poor poor bastards a hundred thousand dollars if you're watching it i will continue to say your name elon i'm gonna say it the the phone calls will not stop the letters the birthday cards it they're all gonna continue until well i mean you know love you buddy very much right and and you know what unlike we are not gonna deny your happy ending your contribution goes a long way. Just enter the coupon code for we are many. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. 
You can find us all over social the, uh... media. If you're hearing our voices right now, that means you found us. But if you want to find us in other places, we are on Instagram, TikTok, YouTube. I realize that I used an old version of this slide. We don't actually use SoundCloud or Likey, so ignore those. But we are on Twitter. Austin has a Twitter as well. Um, we have our For We Are Many support group, the For We Are Many mutual aid organizing group, and, of course, the page, which you're probably watching this on. Um, we're we on also YouTube. have... We also have our our dark web for we are many domain. You need to use what is it, Dana? Tor browser. Tor browser on Tor browser. Yep. Okay. You will find everything for your pharmaceutical and uh, well, never mind. <laughs> I I would like to take this time if you are going to find our domain on the dark web. We do have. I need to plug this. It is Don Hughes's Mountain Shy guaranteed to increase your deadlift a minimum of 9,000 pounds. Um, <laughs> the secret ingredient is Charlie Sheen DNA and, of course, Tiger's blood. So, That's right. Of course. Of course. That sounds legit. It totally is, legit. It is totally <laughs> legit. For nine subscriptions of ninety nine ninety five, one bottle can be yours. What do you think got Crump all gacked up when he was on... Mm -hmm. In the COVID, right? On Is that what he was on? Yep. <laughs> Remember he was Indeed. running around and trying to kiss everybody and telling everybody he loved him? Hey, speaking Dancing of which, with flags. right? Austin, what, plug your uh, TikTok really quick, please, sir. Maybe a few times. Uh, I don't know what it is. Uh, it's Austin. I, I'm known as Austin the Radical. I'm sure if you look that up you will find me it is my beautiful smiling mug i think it's austin Patton 85 or something like that i think it is also yeah austin Patton 85 i don't know why it's 85 i was born in 84 i mean <laughs> if they want me to be younger that's fine with me i don't care you know Dude, really fucking jerks hold on i know taking a year away from me <laughs> who are um, austin the radical please uh, find yes, austin the radical it's also Austin Patton 85 yeah either or I'm pretty sure you can find me I do make silly posts sometimes and I I do smoke CBD maybe some other stuff but uh that's about it I I make political posts too about for we are many and about uh other groups that are on Facebook and other things as well uh, legalization of uh, marijuana, which of course sh should be on a federal level. Well, Rob is the chief executive officer of all things social media. Rob, oh, great. I, I'm, Rob manages a whole lot for us. He works very hard to uh, make us as available as he possibly can. Austin will be the vice president of TikTok. So uh, the way to find us is find him. Austin the Radical. Keep following. We him. also have our own TikTok, which you see on your screen at for We Are Many podcast. Um, yes. We haven't used it much yet, though. We're working on we it. Will, we will. We will yeah. be using it a lot more here in the near future. Since we're just Speaking of which, if, we, uh, if there's anybody listening to the sounds of our voices that um, would like to create content, whether that be short videos for TikTok or Instagram or memes for Facebook and Instagram and Twitter, or 
Um, if you want to help manage those pages or if you want to help us find guests or write articles, there is a million things that we could have you for <laughs> if you would like to be a part of our team. And uh, the only thing I think I have left to plug is the website, forwearemany.org. I still can't believe we ended up with that domain. If anybody just wants to see some stuff I drew with my my mild artistic talent, go to, fuck, I almost forgot the name of my own art page. It's the art of D.W. Hughes on Facebook. You can also find it on my Instagram account, at that Swedish chef. I used to be a chef. I'm I'm not anymore. But yeah, if you guys want to just see some stuff I drew, since we're plugging things. <laughs> since we're plugging things. All right, so... Um... Once again, today we are, instead of talking about current events, we are talking about the Atlanta washerwomen's strike um, and how empowered women pushed labor forward. Um, Atlanta in the early 1880s was just developing. It was less than 20 years after the Civil War ended. Um, African Americans suffered extreme oppression and extreme violence. Lynchings were common and Separate but equal, Jim Crow laws gave African-Americans minimal access to schools, the military, and labor unions. You know, the kinds of institutions that helped other Americans, white Americans, move toward prosperity. The city had primitive water and sewer systems, and unsanitary trash lined the unpaved streets. Remember, again, this is, this is the 1880s. This is like when the Wild West is happening. Um... So it kind of, Atlanta's businessmen and politicians wanted to paint a different picture than what was actually going on, of course. To lure northern businesses to the city, spotlighting it as the urban center of the New South uh, with a large subservient workforce. Um, more than half of the city's black residents and half of the black wage earners were women. Black women largely were responsible for sustaining not only their families, but their entire communities as well. Um, one third of black women living in Atlanta, as in other cities, raised families alone. Uh, nearly all, 98% actually, of these black working women were household workers. Um, and that, that statistic carries over. 98% of the household workers are black women. Um, meaning, mostly domestic workers for white families. On average, women began working as domestics between the ages of 10 and 16, and they worked until they were 65 or older, which was very old in the 1880s, just to point that out. Uh, more black women worked as laundresses than any other type of domestic work, the city had more laundresses than male common laborers. In contrast, only a small, a small portion of white women worked for pay, and the average white family could at least afford the services of a washerwoman. It was in this context that a group of African-American washerwomen in Atlanta organized themselves to demand better wages and better working conditions. Uh, they started 
I mean, I would consider it a union. They didn't consider it a union technically, I guess. But the Washing Society sounds a lot like a union to me. Uh, they struck in the summer of 1881. I, I think it was uh, July 24th. Yeah, July 24th, they struck, taking on the business and political establishment of Atlanta. The action served to remind the city's white majority whom they depended on for the clothes they wore. The strike was a group of black women organizing against omnipresent discrimination to demand recognition and respect for their work. And it stands out in union history as a most unlikely success. I mean, I, I put in the description that they rose against, a, a, like, above all odds, but I don't even think that does it justice. Like, all of the people in power were, were white men, and they, they won in, in the end. Um... At first, the coverage of the strike in the Atlanta Constitution, that was the newspaper, we actually have a section at the end that is quotes from the Atlanta Constitution about the strike. But uh, the first coverage said, quote, the washerwomen of Atlanta, um, this is from the July 24th, 1881 edition, went on strike for, quote, very unreasonable high prices. They were demanding a um, dollar per 12 pounds of laundry. Uh, which, I mean, was pretty high, but that's not the point. They deserve to be compensated for their labor. I don't give a shit if they were born into slavery. Anyway. Uh, laundry work was the most difficult of domestic jobs, and industrialization made the shore even more dreadful. Manufactured cloth, especially washable fabrics such as cotton, made clothing more available so people had more clothes than ever before. Laundry, laundry work was the first chore women could, would hire someone else to perform if her family had the slightest bit of extra money. In the North, women would send their families dirty clothes to a commercial laundry at the time, but in the South, technology was lagging, and even poor whites could send some wash to black women. Um, laundresses worked long, tiring hours, and their wages ranged from 4 to $8 a month. Wow. These wages changed little over time, and laundresses would increase their earnings by adding on clients or getting help from their children. Laundresses worked mostly in their own homes or in their neighborhoods with other women. They worked outside in the shade when weather permitted or inside their homes, hanging clothes all over the house to dry. They made their own soap from lye, their own starch from wheat bran, and wash tubs from beer barrels cut in half. Their work began on Monday mornings and continued throughout the week until the clean clothes were delivered on Saturday. Throughout the week, they would carry gallons of waters from wells, pumps, or hydrants for washing, boiling, and rinsing clothes. Then, after hanging the clothes to dry, the women would iron, alternately using heavy irons, uh, several heavy irons at a time. And when we say heavy irons, we don't mean like these electric ones you plug in the wall today. I'm talking about the cast iron ones that you set in the fucking fireplace. Anyway, um, hey bro, laundress, real quick, real quick, some external feedback. I have, I have one line from the intro to finish this section. Sorry. Quote, I could clean my hearth good and nice and set my irons in front of the fire and iron all day without stopping. I cooked and ironed at the same time. That's uh, laundress Sarah Hill. She was one of the strikers. Anyway, go ahead, Don. I am, I am so sorry. It's just uh, we were trying to get a hold of you on Slack and other channels. Um, we have some external feedback. The music's still a little too loud. 
sorry to interrupt the flow like that, man. Uh, my bad. Thank you, Don. That's uh, outstanding. One one quick note, side note, by the way, uh, uh, $8 in 1880 was the equivalent of about $200 today. For a month of labor, and that's For a month of work, end. yeah. That is that is a ridiculously low amount of money. Yes, I don't even really know what to say because even saying that is just stating the obvious. That that's that's like prison wage. Yeah, yeah, yeah that's like what you get for pressing fucking. Well, and that's a problem too. Sure Honestly, yeah, yeah. We could spend a whole episode, couple episodes, Dean, talking Dean, about that. Parking lot, prisons. All right. Hashtag oh, abolition, it. solidarity, free our comrades. I got Somebody it. And I actually, I've, right actually, I've actually taken a request to pull a, a special episode together about the sewer socialists. The sewer From, socialists? Yes, sir. Uh, in the early uh, in the early part of the uh, uh, 20th century, there were a number of socialists in the mill in the Minnesota area. Uh, they held uh, mayoral positions and uh, a seat in Congress, if you can imagine. Both before and after World War One. So that's a fascinating bit, bit chapter there and uh, worth worth looking into, I think. Indeed. Um, so the next thing we got here is uh, is a video, actually. So I'm just going to play this video. This video is for educational purposes only. We mean business or no washing. This quote is from the remarkable story of Atlanta's washerwomen's strike of 1881 when a group of black women organizing against widespread discrimination demanded recognition and respect for their work. It stands in our union history as a most unlikely success. In 1881, a group of African-American washerwomen in Atlanta organized themselves to demand better wages and working conditions. The Washing Society, as they called themselves, struck in the summer of 1881, taking on the business and political establishment of Atlanta, Georgia. The action served to remind the city's white majority whom they depended on for the clothes they wore. Seeking higher pay and more respect, the Washing Society called a strike, and the women began canvassing neighborhoods and churches to gather more supporters. The Washing Society even managed to get the 2% of washing women who were white to join. Their demands included $1 per 12 pounds of laundry as well as some autonomy over their work and more respect from the clients. In just three weeks, the group and the strike stood at 3,000 members. White businesses and politicians threatened fines and attempted to enforce a tax on anyone found to be a member of the washing society. The strike finally ended and the city buckled and agreed that the washerwomen could pay for a $25 annual licensing fee in exchange for higher rates and more self-rule. The washerwomen succeeded and set a precedent for others. 
Shortly after the strike, Atlanta's government also relented to demands from cooks, maids, hotel workers, and nurses for higher pay. So, uh, I mean, that's a very good two-minute brief overview, but we're going to go a little more in detail than that. Real, real quick, though, uh, do we know when the first washing machine was invented? Or, uh, Well, it had been invented. They just didn't have them. And they didn't have Atlanta at the time. Um, Up north, like, um, you know, on the eastern seaboard and stuff, they had commercial laundries with washing machines. But in the south, they were washing them by hand in beer barrels. Yeah, I just, I was just wondering because it just seems like something they would have invented to take away work from people. You know what I mean? Well, I mean, if we're, if we're really looking at it, they were paying them next to nothing. Yeah. So, yeah. And I mean, like for the time, given, you know, how much they had been paying a dollar for a dozen pounds of laundry was a lot, but think about how life-changing that amount of money was for the workers. Yeah. That's like $15 a minimum wage for us. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, really like it made a huge difference. Um, Let's see. So getting into the strike, the summer of 1881, uh, in July, there's no specified date, um, but we know it was before the 24th of July because that's when the strike began. But uh, in early July 1881, 20 laundresses met to form a trade organization, which they named the Washing Society. They sought higher pay, respect, and autonomy over their work and established a uniform rate at $1 per dozen pounds of wash. They helped, uh, I mean, with the help of black ministers throughout the city, they held a mass meeting and called a strike to achieve higher pay at the uniform rate. The washing society, or quote, washing Amazons, as their opponents called them, if that's not fucking racial, um, which is also funny because complete wrong side of the world, but, you know, Americans. Anyway... (laughs) established a door-to-door canvassing to widen their membership, urging laundresses across the city to join or honor the strike. They also involved white laundresses who were less than 2% of laundresses in the city, um, which frankly was an extraordinary sign of interracial solidarity for that time. Uh, Just like the video said, in the course of three weeks, the Washington Society grew from 20 to 3,000 strikers. That's significant feeling the strength in their numbers on august 3rd the washington uh, the washing society laid down an ultimatum in a letter to the mayor of atlanta in the same week that they sent the clothes back wet they didn't wash them they just got them wet and sent them back uh where's that feedback coming from is that just something on my end do you hear it uh no sir maybe it's something in my uh It was something in my headphones, okay? I had something hooked up weird. Anyway, sorry about that. Um, Feeling the strength in their numbers, on August 3rd, they laid down an ultimatum. They wrote a letter to the mayor, a public letter to the mayor of Atlanta, and they wrote, quote, We are the the members of our society, are determined to stand our pledge and make extra charges for washing, and we have agreed and are willing to pay $25 or $50 for licenses as a protection. So that was, that's basically how the city tried to quash it. 
was they 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 charged twenty five dollars to people who were members um, of the Washing Society. I'll get to that more in a second. Um, I kind of put this out of order, I guess. But the point is, is that they were like, okay, we'll pay your $25 a year, whatever. We're setting our own rates. And um, basically they were like, well, if we're making this rate, we can afford to pay your fucking license. That's paraphrased, of course. But uh, what the actual quote says is, uh, we can afford to pay these licenses and we will do it before we will be defeated. And then we will have full control of the city's washing at our own prices as the city has control of our husband's work at their prices. Don't forget this. We hope to hear from your council Tuesday morning. We, be, we mean business this week or no washing. Um, so as I was just talking about in early August, municipal authorities were taking direct action. They were arresting strikers. They were fining members. They were making house visits. They didn't stop. The white establishment was so agitated that city politicians got involved and the city council proposed that members of any washerwoman's organization pay an annual fee of $25. Remember, they're making $4 a month. Um, pay an annual fee of $25 and then offered nonprofit tax status to businesses that wanted to start commercial laundries. So the $25 fee would mean several months of wages. The strikers didn't stop. They responded with that letter we were just reading from. Um, they said point blank. The last sentence of the letter was we mean business this week or no washing yours respectfully, <laughs> the washing women's society. Um, these politically savvy women workers were willing to pay the fee in exchange for self, uh, self-regulation. Remember they were former slaves. They, they were not going to let go of the idea of self-regulation. Why would they? They shouldn't have ever had it stripped from them to begin with. To them, self-regulation, self-regulation of their industry was about simple respect. In the post-Civil War South, the laundresses refused to be seen as subordinate. These laundresses saw the strike as asserting their freedom and identity and gaining respect for their work. They didn't back down. White businesses and politicians did all these things, you know, the fines, the uh, arrests, the, uh, the tax, um, the city, the city grew increasingly nervous as dirty laundry piled up, and as workers in other service industries also asked for higher wages. And that, again, goes right back to the video. Cooks, maids, nurses um, all began demanding higher wages. The resolve of the striking laundre- uh, laundresses, despite the arrest fines and fees, inspired other people. Um, and unlike, unlike past strikes, employers... Uh, aware of the magnitude of the black labor unrest, were not confident that they could find replacement workers. Well, I mean, if you can't hire scabs to break the strikes, the strikes aren't going to be broken. Um, and remember that if you're ever in a situation to be a scab. Just saying. Uh, anyway, so the following week, the city, the city council rejected the proposed fees. The laundresses had prevailed. So kind of to sum up, uh, long story short, the city buckled. It agreed that washerwomen could pay for a $25 annual licensing fee in exchange for higher rates and autonomy. The washerwomen succeeded and set a, a great precedent, frankly, for others. Shortly after the strike, Atlanta's government also relented to demands uh, from cooks, maids, hotel workers, and nurses for higher pay. 
In the end, the strike not only raised wages, it more importantly established laundresses and all black women workers as uh, instrumental to the new, the new South's economy. The white establishment was forced to acknowledge that black women workers who were former slaves were not invisible. Anybody have anything to say about it? Nobody. Wow. They were fucking badasses, dude. Like, straight up. Absolutely. Like, you know, the whole establishment rose to try to crush this strike, and they just couldn't. And that's awesome. Yeah. They did things that we can't even do now, you know? So... Well, we can, but obviously well, yeah. we don't. We don't have the kind of balls they had. Yeah, <laughs> I guess that's really what it comes down to. So, I just wanted to sum this up with some uh, newspaper coverage. Um, the first piece was the twenty-first of July. Hey. It said uh, the laundry lady's efforts to control the prices for My, washing. Um, quesadilla no salt. What? Sorry, guys. Sorry. Never mind. It- my fault. Okay. <laughs> anyway, the laundry lady's efforts to control the prices for washing are still prevalent and no small amount of talk is occasioned thereby. The women have a thoroughly organized association and additions to the membership are being made each day. During the day, the house of every colored woman who is not a member of the association is visited and a regular siege begun. And in nearly every instance, an addition to the membership is the result. In this way, the meetings, which are had every night, are largely attended and generally very demonstrative. Speeches advocating their rights and exhorting the members to remain firm are numerous and frequent. To several families whose washing left home uh, Monday morning, the clothing had been returned wringing wet. And uh, the women, have, having become a member of the association after taking the washing away, it is rumored that house help is also on the eve of the strike. Uh, 24 July 1881. The piece was titled "New Stream: The New Stream, uh, The New Steam, Sorry, Laundry," um, and they were they, that's the one where they said they were striking for unreasonably high prices, and a number of our most substantial citizens have quietly gone to work to make up a large cash capital and will at an early day, as the strike is nearly all subscribed already, start an extensive steam laundry. The capacity of a new laundry will be equal to the wants of the whole city from 50 to 100 smart Yankee girls experienced in the business will be employed in running it. And the calculation of those having the enterprise in hand is that at the very moderate charge, say an average of 20 to 30 cents per dozen, the profits will be sufficient to give all the stockholders fair dividends and their washing besides. We are glad to chronicle this movement. So, you know, they're, Straight up, like, oh well, we should just bring in a steam laundry. They don't want to work. Why is it? Why, why is that always the narrative? We don't want to work. Anyway, twenty sixth July, uh, the dowdy washwomen holding out for an advance in wages is the headline, and it says the washerwomen strike is assuming vast proportions, and despite the apparent independence of the white people is causing quite an inconvenience among our citizens. 
and inconvenience. I think that was the point. In one instance, the demand for $1 per dozen was uh, acceded to. Those who declined to give this price are still wanting washers. Several families who have declined to pay the price demanded have determined to set their clothing to Marietta, uh, send their clothing, I'm sorry, to Marietta, where they have secured laundry service. The strikers hold daily meetings and are exhorted by the leaders who are confident that the demands will be granted. The committees still visit the women and induce them to join the strike, and when a refusal is met, threats of personal violence are freely indulged into such an extent as to cause a compromise with their demands. There are some families in Atlanta who have been unable to have any washing done for more than two weeks. Why can't they do it themselves again? What am I missing here? Is it because they're white? They're above that? Uh, they just, they literally don't know how. They've never had to do it in their lives. That's fair. Because of white privilege, that's why. That's correct. Wow. Not only don't they have the equipment, they, they, they don't know how to do it. And it's hard work. It's physically demanding work. It's difficult work. Yeah. Uh, These people not, were not fat only... of the land, uh, uh, dining on the cream of the crop their entire lives. They didn't have the physical well-being to even do that sort of manual labor so they stunk fair enough so not only the washerwomen but the cooks the house servants the nurses all started asking for pay increases the combinations are being managed by the laundry ladies so even when this spread out into other industries it was still being run by the washerwomen which is awesome frankly um 26 July, this is the same day, but it was a, I, I assume it was an opinion piece. I don't know. It's one fucking sentence. It was uh, called, quote, a move in the right direction. We learn that at the next city, uh, meeting of the city council, an ordinance will be offered requiring all washerwomen belonging to any association or society to pay a business tax or license. Um, so three days later, 29 July, quote, the wet clothes. Police court was well attended yesterday morning. Among other cases disposed of were those against Matilda Crawford, Sally Bell, Carrie Jones, Dora Jones, Orphelia Turner, and Sarah E. Or A. Collier. It looks French. I'm assuming it's Collier, not Collier. Anyway, among other cases are the sextet of Ebony Hugh Damsels was charged with disorderly conduct and quarreling. And in each case, except the last, which was Sarah A. Collier, uh, a fine of $5 was imposed and subsequently paid. In the case of Collier, $20 was assessed and the money not being paid. The defendant's name was transcribed to the chain gang book while it, where it will remain for 40 days. Good old chain gangs. Each of these cases resulted from the washerwomen's strike. As members of the organization, they have visited women who are taking no part in the strike and have threatened personal violence unless their demands were acceded to and their example followed. During their rounds, so like, you know, threatening scabs, basically. Anyway, during the rounds, they met with persons who opposed the strike and who declined to submit to their proposition to become members. This opposition caused an excessive use of abusive and threatening language, and the charge of disorderly conduct and quarreling was the result. Uh, and then we already we already read uh, the letter to Mr. James English, 
which was also published in the uh, Atlanta Constitution. Um, I'm going to read it again because I think it's powerful. It says, Dear Sir, we, the members of our society, are determined to stand to our pledge and make extra charges for washing, and we have agreed and are willing to pay $25 or $50 for licenses as a protection so we can control the washing for the city. We can afford to pay these licenses, uh, meaning with the pay increases, and we'll do it before we will be defeated. And then we'll, we will have full control of the city's washing at our own prices as the city has control of our husband's work at their prices. Don't forget this. We hope to hear from your council Tuesday morning. We mean business this week or no washing. Yours respectfully from five societies, 486 members. So the 16th, which was the of August, which was the last piece about it, uh, was simply upon the resolution, the resolution, sorry, imposing a license of $25 upon washerwomen, an adverse report was made by the ordinance committee and adopted by the council. So, you know, basically, they were like, we'll pay your fucking $25 a year, but you're going to pay us for our work. Pretty straightforward. Um, of course, as always, our show notes will be uh, published after. Uh, well, actually, I think they're live right now, Dean, right? The live stream is live, and I do not have the show notes up yet. I will in a few minutes. Indeed. Indeed, indeed, indeed. Does anybody have anything anything to say in retrospect about the entire uh, situation? Uh, so much. So, so much. Um, uh, I want to also keep in mind that this is Atlanta, right? You didn't have running water and flushing toilets in Atlanta for the large part, unless you're in wealthy neighborhoods, until well into the 1920s. There was, it was not a pretty place to live, frankly. They had open sewers, they had outhouses in neighborhoods, just like ours. And a kind of wild. Yeah, yeah, agreed. Well, Trisha, I hope you have plenty to say about this since you're, you're finally with us. We already went through all of it, but I, I'm sure you have plenty of your own thoughts to add. Good evening, Trisha. Goodness. Hi. Hi. Um, yeah, my apologies for, for being late. I don't know if you told everybody what was going on or not, but... No, um, I figured if you wanted to say what was going on, that you could do that. I wasn't going to take the liberty. Okay. Well, um, my brother's ex-wife's apartment building burned down last night. Uh, so when I was on my way back here, I got the call from the kids. Um, their mom made it out okay. Uh, she did have to jump out the window, the second story window, but um, their dogs did not make it. So um, their their hearts are broken right now. Right. Well, I'm glad she got out. It's right. really rough to lose not just one, but two pets in a fire. Right. Um, 
Yeah, they're both really beautiful pit bulls. Really I sweet. I love pibbles. Same. Is like they started barking and woke her up and her boyfriend and he broke out the window and hopped out like they tried to get the dogs to jump out with them too and the dogs ran to the other end of the apartment um, trying to get away from the smoke they ran to the girls room uh, weren't able to, to get them and they were getting engulfed in smoke um, so then she jumped out you know her boyfriend tried to catch her um, that didn't work too well but at least she was alive She's got a pretty bad gash on her face from landing so hard, but uh, I don't know. Um, I guess they had just gotten word from her right before I, you know, got the call from them. Getting ready for red now, though. So, uh, yeah. Indeed. So, uh, do you have anything that you want to say about the washerwomen strike? I mean, honestly, pretty much my summary was that they're fucking badasses, dude. Like, holy shit. Um. Well, I I did have more thoughts gathered in my brain, kind of right now because of all of all of this hitting. Um. But uh, yeah, what, what they did really helped to drive everything forward, um, not just for women in the workplace, but for labor unionizing, coming together as a whole. You know, um, this was a very pivotal moment in history. And what they did is utterly downright badass, absolutely. Um, to literally just be like, yeah, no, your your uh, shit going smoothly totally depends on us being willing to do this work. So you'd better pay us adequately and you know meet our demands, or we're going to disrupt the entire fucking flow of your life in this city and pull it to a screeching halt. And I love that they recognized what power they held in their hands there and grabbed it. You know. Just like last show, folks, this is another use case where people of color have had to collectively solve white people's little problems. Right? Right? Just keeps happening throughout history. <laughs> uh, it's one of those things that uh, I, I hope those people start to recognize that's the case in so many situations. They go, maybe, maybe we should try to do something about this too and stop leaving the responsibility for it on the people who are being oppressed instead of on the oppressors, you know? Um, humanity needs to fix its stinking fucking thinking. And these women certainly helped shift some of that, especially for those times, you know? Shit. Yeah, that's lovely. Are my underwear ready? <laughs> like no they're not not until you pay more for them what <laughs> who in the world do you think you are the one washing your underwear oh I see <laughs> one that's but, got your underwear Dean I mean think about it at the time you know people didn't have you know 
automatic washers to wash their shit at home. You either made time to bust out that scrubbing board and wash it yourself, or you'd better pay somebody else to do it. They didn't come along in uh, in mass until after World War II, guys. I mean, they didn't come to they didn't come to people of color's houses until quite a bit after that, even. Yeah, actually, I, one of these days I want to talk about how the post World War II era was very gentrifying. Yeah, that's a whole ass episode on its own. Speaking of future episodes, guys, don't forget Monday we have our normal current event stream. And Thursday, we are doing a movie watch-along for the trial of the Chicago 7. And obviously, that doesn't mean that we are broadcasting the movie. Um, Unfortunately, we'll have to have a Netflix account to watch along with us, but we will be giving our commentary throughout it. There may be a couple points where we even stop the, you know, pause the movie to say some things. But uh, yeah, we may... uh... We may go ahead and ask you to ask Elon Musk for your complimentary lifetime Netflix subscription. Please go ahead and do that now in anticipation of this event. Elon, baby, listen. We need a hundred thousand dollars. I can't. I can't explain to you how much we need a hundred thousand dollars a month. You're friends with Joe Rogan. I'm a pretty cool dude, too. So why not be friends with me? Yeah, we'll let you get high on this on this podcast as well. And and you know what? If you know, we we, we might have a, a hard time to... questioning Joe Rogan. Though. Yeah, I was going to say, well, don't, you know, how do you enjoy your blood diamond money, Elon? <laughs> 